Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Hell's playbook was ultimately the destruction of Israel because Israel represents the people of God. And of course, through Israel would come Messiah, the rescuer. So it was a perfect time in Hale's playbook, a snapshot of Israel's history. A divided season, it was coming unraveled, the great or supposed great, at least that's what he thought of himself, King Saul. Did not care for the ark of God, which represented God's holiness, presence, and power. Lost the ark. Did not completely destroy the Malachites, but rather embraced their culture, which was counter to the culture of God and his kingdom. Thus, releasing confusion and chaos, and things are coming unraveled. The Philistine army although defeated, were sitting on the sidelines, watching it come undone. It was hell's playbook. But there's one thing that hell did not account for. It was a son in the house of Jesse. First Samuel chapter 16 opens like this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you cry over Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now prepare the oil, the anointing. For I'm sending you to the house of Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel, thinking in terms of self-preservation, said, If I go and they see me coming, Saul will have me killed. But the Lord says, Take a sacrifice with you. And tell those who represent the now seated government that you come to the house of Jesse to sacrifice and to worship. Verse 4, he did as the Lord had commanded, went to the town. And the elders at the gates trembled. There was a, a stronghold, if you please. The elders represent the dominant thinking, the powers that be. But the powers that be knew if Samuel's here... He ain't here to play checkers. The last time he showed up, he anointed a king. Something's up. And they trembled and asked him, have you come peaceably? And he said, I have simply come to worship and bring sacrifice at the house of Jesse. And it was, he made his way to the house of Jesse. And as he came, knowing God's directive... As soon as he gets to the house of Jesse, Jesse consecrated or prepared his sons and they invited him to the sacrifice and he them. And it was that they came and he looked upon Eliab and said, surely this must be the one, the first one out of the gate. It's got to be the one. The Lord said to Samuel, don't get caught up on external and his physical posture I've actually rejected him. I look not as man sees, but I look upon the heart. So 
So then Jesse called Abinadab and made him to pass before Samuel. And the Lord said, not this one either. And then he made Shema to pass and so on and so on. And the Lord, through each point of interview, the Lord rejected them. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass. And Samuel, under the direction of God, turns to Jesse and said, Is this all you have? Almost as if Jesse forgot. Oh yeah, there is one more, but he's a no count. Uh, We hadn't really thought about him. There remains yet the youngest. He's out doing the dirty work, keeping the sheep. Samuel says to Jesse, Bring him, for we will not rest until he comes. They bring David out from the field, a bright-looking young man, handsome. And the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Arise, for the anointing belongs upon him. And from that day forward, it was so for David. The eighth son. Now, Father, these are your people. These are a hungry people. You know who we are and who's in this house tonight. And I'm praying that you would help us and that there would be a release of the anointing that came upon the eighth son. That it would be in this house and that we would be changed and that we would be delivered and that we would be empowered to do your will. I take authority over every concept, every worldly idea, every demonic principality. I command you to be still in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to watch the salvation of God unfold in this house. I take authority over depression. I take authority over fear. I take authority over every distraction and command that the ministering spirits sent to this house tonight will bring holy attention to your word and your presence over the next few moments. We release you to work, God, and we thank you for what you're about to do in the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hand, and let's let it roar out. And let's let hell know. Like the praying mama used to say, let's let hell know we fit to have church up in here. Sit down if you like to for just a moment. Hell had not calculated, nobody had calculated that Israel's next deliverer, next victor, was not on the front lines of what seemed to be a popular culture of that time. Hell had not planned that hell's victor, Jacob's redemption, the ark of God's recovery and recoverer, the line through which Messiah would come. Nobody planned that it would come from a most unseeming location on the backside of the hills, out in the fields where the sheep were wandering. The nation of Israel lie again on the brink of ruin and disaster in need of redemption, in need of deliverance. The reign of King Saul caused such corruption and distrust in leadership. They were crying in need for a champion, in need for someone to rise, just like the world in which we live right now. 
Where people are looking for someone to champion the cause and rescue the sons and daughters and deliver their homes and community. This world needs a champion and an anointed one. Saul representing the office of God, the anointing of kings, the authority of king. He comes to the front line of the adversary, meeting at the gates on his way to the house of Jesse. And of course, if you're going to advance spiritually, you need to know that there's opposition because hell has a lot to fear if somebody breaks through the opposition line. And so Samuel receives the opposition that he had prayed for or had determined that he would receive and the elders began to tremble. Samuel begins to tell the elders, I've not come here to play. I've come here to worship. I've not come here to have a discussion. I'm merely going to the house of Jesse. I've brought sacrifice in hand. Samuel introduces a concept of spiritual progress that when you're moving forward, you do so under the guise and directive of worship. For it is written, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of this world, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. Samuel could have pulled out his credentials, but instead he said, it doesn't matter who I am, I have come to worship. And hell knew, if there's a worshiper here, we're fixing to have trouble. Because it doesn't matter what your credentials are, if you know how to draw heaven into the earth, things are going to happen. I've come to tell you tonight in these next few moments it doesn't matter what your pedigree or lack thereof might be or whether this is your first night in church or five millionth night in church if you will be a worshiper and forget about the culture and the world around us and draw heaven in this house or heaven in your neighborhood and not be ashamed I heard Paul when he said I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who will believe in it. David later learned when he faced the giant of the Philistines on the hillside the same concept I did not come to you with spear and a sword but I've come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts I've come as an emissary from the throne room this world does not need another hero this world needs another worshiper and this culture in which we live and this world in which we live is so counter to the things of heaven you could count on it that the enemy would mock the people of God and the enemy would taunt the people of God and the more corrupt this world becomes and the more odd our worship experience seems to this world the more defiant we must be at the gates of the adversary kings cannot be born Saul if you can't make it through the gate Kings cannot be born, Saul, Samuel, rather, if you cannot press beyond the opposition. We cannot allow the spirit of this world to intimidate our worship experience. Thank you for calling a church service on a Tuesday night because I need to remember the power of God is not relegated to a day of the week. But I have this treasure in earth. I wish I could get a worshiper right now. I wish I could get a worshiper right now to just get up at your seat and shout unto God.
Thank you, honey. I wonder somebody else. The more corrupt this world seems, the more they need to know a Jesus. The more they need to know why we love him. They weren't there the night he found me. They weren't there the day he delivered me. They weren't there the moment he said, I'll take you in, even though you've done it and he'll do it over again. They weren't there. Listen, the world needs to know you can mess up and get back up. The world needs to know there's a loving Savior. Oh, yeah. I feel something trying to get loose in here. And I wonder, I wonder if we really understand the season that God has brought us into. We preached about revival and used that word in such a way that it has literally become annoying at most occasions. I ain't preaching about revival. I've come to introduce you to what God is doing right now. I've come to invite you to get on board. And tonight, the Holy Ghost told me, he said, I am going to wage war in households and deliver bonds of several generations. I am going to deliver family. Oh, God, help me. Now, loss in the text is the eighth son. Lost under the identity of Samuel the prophet. Lost under the identity of those big guys at the gate. Lost under the list of all of these other brethren who evidently thought themselves the next GQ magazine cover. Lost! Under all of this social paralysis, under all of their education and degrees and identity, lost under Samuel's fear, lost under all of these things is the eighth son. Somewhere out in the field, just like many of us tonight, lost under cloud of fear, lost under cloud of unforgiveness or unbelief, or mistakes that you keep making over and over again. And you've counted yourself out while God's still trying to call you back in. Underneath all of these things and trying to qualify yourself by a worldly standard, which, by the way, is so far below God's standard, it is pitiful. The kings of the earth will not even measure up to divine standard. Lost in the middle of all of this is the eighth son. So Jesse prepares the boys for an interview process that lasts hours. And each of them come and having rehearsed their lines like they're fixing to do an interview for Shark Tank. And having prepared themselves and made themselves look good and had handed the papers to, to Samuel and here's my, my, all of my, here's what I've done and I've, uh, all of these things. I belong to this club and I belong to that club. Here's a copy of my most recent bank accounts and, uh, and so on and so on. Here's all the awards that I've won. There you go. And God said, I ain't in that. And then the next guy comes, he's like, I just won the last Israel idol. And so 
Amalek. And, and God said, I ain't in that either. And down the line, hours of rehearsal and interview. And the process intense, and you can sense it by deduction that Samuel has grown weary. God has grown weary. You imagine the personalities that came by. Oh, and y'all, we've got them. Personalities that come by and just make ourselves to be. Some of y'all come to the house of God. Not here, but I'm just saying generally in other places they do. And then they come to the house of God and make it look like they got it all together. And you tell them, God bless you. How you doing? Man, I'm good. I am good. You know you're broke as Job's turkey. You're, but you're like, man, I'm good. All good. Covering it up. You can imagine these fellas, these personalities, these extreme identities, trying to say or make the statement that surely God will anoint this. And God said, I'm not interested in a church that looks pretty. I ain't interested in, now please, before y'all say, oh, Brother Brian doesn't like education. Brother Brian doesn't like pretty carpet and all that stuff. Okay? God does not mind that stuff. I'm happy for you. I'm glad about it. I appreciate our facility. But God said, if you're going to try to use that to qualify you for where I want to take you, you are mistaken. And we live in a generation of people that think if you can make it look good, if you can make it sound good, if you can make it act good, then it must be good. But I'm here to tell you tonight, if God won't anoint it, it is no good. You can sense the weariness in God. And out of Samuel's mouth when finally, can you imagine the poor guy sitting there all afternoon? <sighs> He's tired. And he finally says to Jesse, is this all you've got? And these, they brought some stuff. And, and God is saying, is this all you got? You, you going to call this good enough? Is this all you got? You, you, you're going to tell me you can't do it anymore because you messed up. Is that all you got? You, you're going to try to tell me you went bankrupt five. Is that all you got? You went bankrupt five times. Is that all you got? You, you're going to try to qualify this. And God's frustrated and Samuel's frustrated. And, and uh, finally Jesse said, well, there is one more. But he's... It's inconveniently located. He's out tending the sheep in the fields. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Now, now you're talking divine language here. You're talking about sheep and fields. Hmm. So now Samuel, as far as we can tell by reading, shows up by himself. But now all of a sudden he is speaking in multiple personalities. So either he is having a breakdown while they're recording this or suddenly the reason Samuel shows up starts to become manifest hey by the way this isn't about Samuel move out of the way Bubba I want to tell Jesse something I'm not satisfied till you get that one here matter of fact the original language reads like this go get him for we will not content 
or rest until the eighth son is brought into the house. Go get him for you may be all right with him being out there, but I must have him here. We will not rest. We will not be satisfied. We will not be pacified. There's an urgency in the spirit world. And God is saying, I am ready to anoint sons and daughters and empower the generation that is among us now. And they are out in the field discounting themselves they must have put him there out of convenience they must have put him there because it was not a culturally popular location to be called a shepherd they put him there because he was the runt of the litter while all the rest of them stayed back at the house and kept up to date on their tiktok accounts and and uh all their other all the other important stuff God help. Seven sons pass. Seven's a good number, not just if you're playing the lottery, but it's a good number for God. See, in what we call biblical numerics, the study of biblical numerics, seven is God's number of completion, it's God's number of order. So God at seven said on the seventh day, Sabbath, Shabbat, it's rest, it's completed. So God could have said, seven's enough. I mean, we've had enough. But he was not comfortable with that. Not any more comfortable than he was to resurrect on that day. Hang on now. It's about the eighth son. It's about the fact that God is not satisfied with all of these things. But he's ready to pull some hungry somebody who has been desiring simply to do the work of God. They feel like maybe he's finished with them, but they feel like he'll never get started with them. And God said, go get him. Where's he at? He's in the fields. Well, I want you to notice something. Because any time that fields are mentioned in Scripture, it has to do with harvest. It has to do with God's economy. It has to do with divine labor. It has to do with prayer. It has to do with the gifts and the work of the Spirit. So they thought they were tucking him away and he's missing all the action. And he was a misfit when in fact he was right where God needed him until... See, sometimes things happen to us that drive us to prayer. Sometimes things happen to us that drive us to godliness. And we fuss and complain while everybody else is at the house getting the interview and making it look good. And we're out there writing songs to ourselves and talking to wolves and petting sheep on the head and feel like everybody's left us. And God said, nobody left you. I have positioned you for a moment in time. Here's what the Holy Ghost told me this afternoon. He said, I've had a generation in waiting, and they have been discounted until now, but I will not be satisfied until they come and allow me to anoint them. I want it. I'm hungry for it. More than my next breath, that God will allow me 
to go farther in him. The fields. The fields represent what is most important to him. And what is most important to him is not what's most important to people of this world. So Samuel said, and God said, go get him for he's more connected to what's important to me. Go get that one because they seem to have my heart. I mean, after all, they are here on a Tuesday night. Go, go get them. So the field. There's David in the field doing what he does. But see, the fields are divine turf. In the field, it was where Abel worked and, and guarded the flocks of God. The fields, that's where Ezekiel's vision in chapter 37, where a multitude was raised up out of the fields and out of the desert floor. The fields, it was the fields on the night when the birth of Christ was heralded among the earth. It was not told in the courtrooms. It was not told at the newspaper stand. It was not told on popular media. But out in the fields, shepherds were abiding and suddenly appeared unto them the supernatural let me tell you something if you want to get involved with the supernatural of God go where he is in the fields don't worry about making it look like what everybody else thinks it ought to look like get involved with what is most important to him get involved with what attracts him I had a call one time to go to uh, Nigeria and it wasn't for vacation. And I went, and I went to meet with an organization there. I had met with our missionaries. We had some conferences with some of our churches. And then to piggyback off from that, went to meet with these other organizations. Because the Lord said, go. Now the first 20 minutes into the trip, I misheard him, I'm sure. They put me in a vehicle. And uh, it had, they said, it's bulletproof. The first question is, why? <laughs> Second question is, then what are those two bullet holes in the windshield? And I don't know if I, if I had told you this story before or not. If I have, just pretend like it's brand new. And so they had a young brother that met me at the airport. And so I'm like, y'all, we got to have some security detail or something because we're going in. Um, they kidnap people, and I'm the only white guy out there. Like, I can't hide. <laughs> they kidnap people. And so we're going to need some security. And so this young brother shows up. Praise the Lord, brother. And I'm like, God bless you. And uh, he, we're at the airport, and they got machine guns and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And he had a yarn taped on a piece of notebook paper it had flipped over and I'm like I said to one of the brother hey where's the security detail and the young man said he flips that sign around it said security it was written in crayon he said I'm the security brother and I'm like oh man that is cool oh god and so there's these guys standing at the door of the airport and they have machine guns and, he, and I said, brother, if we get in trouble, who's going to protect us? The Holy Ghost, man. The Holy Ghost. Going to, and he had faith. And I said, buddy, let me tell you something. I said, you see that guy over there that has that gun? He, he said, yeah. I said, that's the Holy Ghost, right? <laughs> that's. We went. 
Because God said, and we, we end up got out there, and the missionary would not go with us. He said, that's a group I've heard about them, and I won't go. But if you don't come back in a few days, we'll come after you, you know. So that was sweet. And uh, we went out and started the leader. Now, I'm just preaching the word of the Lord. And I'm maybe not maybe the best preacher, but I thought maybe a fair job. But he started getting upset at what I was preaching. And so he started getting nervous. He said, you're trying to depose me. I said, no, sir, I'm preaching God's order. All of a sudden, the leaders of his organization, there starts to be a little bit of an uprising, which is cue for me, it's time to go. And the Lord said, you stay. The leaders came, and one of the first things they found out about was the baptismal formula. The biblical baptism formula was counter to what their organization had uh, believed and taught. So they had a question about that. So, I mean, obviously, these are the leaders. So I said, leaders, y'all answer that question for them. And they couldn't answer. And I said, well, would you let me? Well, sure, go ahead and answer. So I answered. And so the short of the story is, uh, amidst some death threats and we had to leave early and that was another exciting thing but we go down to the river one afternoon and uh one of the preachers who i did not know this i saw them helping him but i thought he it was because he was elderly they're helping him down to the water and as they're helping him down to the water uh he comes back up out of, and there's a celebration of the river, and they're baptizing all of these leaders and people, and the power of God is falling at the, at the river there, and it's great. I'm not close to the river because I don't like snakes or alligators, and so I was up on the bank doing like, uh, taking names down, and we'll send cards to them later, you know. But I was there, I'm praying, and this man comes up from the river, the elder, and he looks me in the eyes, and he said, I can see. I could see I'm 83 years old and never seen a day in my life. And brother, I can see. I realized at that moment, as I crumbled in the sand on the shore of the river, that it took nothing but God said if I could get somebody that will just hang out with me I'll show you things you never thought you'd witness I'll make you a resident of things so I'm thankful to know today that even though I felt like I was outcast and I had people calling me while I was there saying brother you ought not to be there you shouldn't be there you need to wait until they have this big meeting and that big meeting God said I ain't in the big meeting right now I want you to go I'm understanding tonight that God called this Tuesday night meeting and all you had to do was show up it's all about the eighth son oh I wish I could get somebody I'm hungry it's in the field you start doing things in the field and that belong to God and supernatural will unfold you don't have to be a prophet or have a title or a, a placard on an office door but you get involved with God. You pray. You seek His face. You, you might say, well, I can't sing. Well, honey, sing anyhow. Just don't join the choir. But sing anyhow. Well, I don't have this gift. That doesn't matter. Do what you can. And get involved in Him. 
because he's calling us forward and the people hell did not account for this generation hell thought well after the last two years we'll wipe them out and then the Lord showed up and said hey is this all you got these churches closing down and people walking away from God and Jesus walked and said is that all y'all got is that it uh uh-uh, there's one more in the field we've been waiting for this moment we've been waiting for this opportunity and here I I wish somebody just wave your hand and say I'm here right now I'm here right now insignificant everybody always looked over you everybody always got the part in the play but you everybody always got picked and you were picked because there was nobody else to pick always the one that seemed and felt and condemned yourself because man I missed that I could have done this I could have done that I could be great for God I could do something for God but I have missed it Can you feel that? You know what that is? Ministering spirits from heaven. And they're waiting right here. What are they waiting for? There's coming a moment in just a few moments from right now. Where the Lord has directed them to go through this house. And minister to you and I. The heirs of salvation. And impart the gift and the power and the glory of God into our lives. Come on, wave your hands to him. Pastor, somewhere, somewhere out in the field is one of the greatest moves of God that will ever be witnessed in this region. Somewhere out in some insignificant situation and you feel like you're being buried alive. And God said, I will not rest until you get right here. You, I don't care if you've been married 300 times. God said, I will not rest until they get here. I am not satisfied. I don't care what you got. I don't care where you come from. You came on this Tuesday night. God said, I want to fill you full of my spirit. I want to give you power to conquer. And I want to show you just what kind of a miracle I can make out of brokenness and humility. I want to show you what kind of a miracle... You think of the wildest thing that God could possibly do. Think of it in your head right now. He doesn't want to match it. He wants to outdo it and blow your mind. The eighth son. Why eight? Because eight... See, seven, wholeness, plus one, which belongs to him. In case y'all need to know this, seven plus one is eight. Okay, I've been to some churches where they didn't get that. (laughs) Kidding. Uh, Why eight? Because eight in God's economy has to do with that which has come back from nothing. That which has been resurrected from the dead. 
that which came from hopeless and was restored. And so God said, I am not finished with just finishing. Otherwise, he would have never resurrected on the eighth day. So now, there's people, anointings, ministries, gifts, sitting out and it looked like they're dead and there'll never be nothing of them. And God said, we will not rest until they come. Because I'm going to bring that girl back from a situation where it looked like she'd never serve me again. I'm going to raise her up tonight. I'm going to bring that young brother that looked like he'd never have a chance in the world to know me. I'm going to raise him up. I'm going to make a preacher out of him. I'm going to raise up missionaries right in the midst. I'm going to raise up interceders. I'm going to raise up prayer warriors. Are y'all hearing me? Are y'all hearing me? It's all about the anointing of the eighth son. That's what God is doing through the Calvary Network. That's what God is doing to the worship team. That's what God is doing on the ministry team. That's what God is doing in this region. It's an anointing on the eighth son. That's where the oil flows. That's where the power of God is made manifest. That's what God is urging for. Somebody ought to just welcome him right now and say, I'm the one. I am that one. I am that one. I feel miraculous wanting to break out in here right now. I feel a miracle of God wanting to break out in here right now. Reach over to somebody and just hold their hand up and say the eighth one. I'm the eighth one. I'm the one he's been looking for. Let the power of God just flow through you. Let the power of God just flow through you. We will not rest until they come. We will not rest until they come. We will not rest. I will not be satisfied in this house. Miraculous of God unfolding in this house right now. If you've never received the gift of the Spirit of God in your life, He can fill you right now. Come up into this altar as quickly as you can. If you need healing, get to the altar as quickly as you can. God wants to heal somebody. If you want an anointing, you want God to touch your life as quickly as you can. Run to the altar. Get to somewhere and pray. If you can't make it to the altar... Get a hold of somebody and start praying. I see tears streaming down. I see people who cannot even move because they're under the power of God. This is the anointing that Samuel came into the house of Jesse for. This is why we're here. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.